Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. If ever there was a year that most of us would be pleased to see the back of, it's 2020. The coronavirus rampaged through the world like some opening scene of a dystopian future blockbuster. And I'm not sure if this counts as irony exactly, but we can probably wave goodbye to movies about dystopian futures for a while. Just as, sadly, we've been deprived of blockbusters in general this year. What, uh, what are you doing there, 3 po Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. The one blockbuster worthy of the name was Disney's final Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which squeaked in at the start of the year when the disquieting rumours of a possible pandemic were still tucked away on page 15. It's only right that the final film of the year should be another major Disney production, Pixar's Soul, directed by the great Pete Doctor. Is this heaven? No. It's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh... <laughs> I'll talk to Pete at the end of the show, along with co-director Kemp Powers and producer Dana Murray. But first, this was a year of closed cinemas in the rest of the world, shut down movie productions in the rest of the world, and a sharply reduced film industry everywhere but New Zealand. I know it's hard not to gloat looking back at one of our best movie years ever. I'm Sean, and this is obviously my dating video. Just wanted to say I didn't kill my whole family. I read on the internet that you should show your hobbies. You sure you you know you want that one holding there? Yeah, that's my favourite gun. But that's still to come. 2020 opened with business as usual on a strong slate of summer titles leading up to this year's Oscars. 1917, Bombshell, and Greta Gerwig's popular Little Women. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. Intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. The Oscars happened just before the plug was pulled. The big winners were the Korean film Parasite, Joker and Judy. And completing the Jays, Jojo Rabbits. Taika Waititi got an Oscar for Best Script. This is really great, and I dedicate this to uh, all the Indigenous kids in the world who uh, want to, uh, to do art and dance and write stories. We are the original storytellers, and uh, we can uh, make it here as well. Thank you. Kia ora. Next year's Oscars have been delayed until April, at least, but we're rather used to delays of big movie projects now. I've lost count of how many premiere dates the next James Bond film, No Time to Die, has missed. James Bond. We both eradicate people. 
to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little tidier. Not to mention Marvel Comics' Black Widow prequel, the Steven Spielberg West Side Story remake and the Wonder Woman sequel. At least Wonder Woman 1984 is about to happen on Boxing Day, we're told. I'll believe it when and if I see it, though there have been so many trailers for it this year that I feel as if I've seen it already. Diana, lucky you. It's like now one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. Otherwise, it's been bad news if you judge a movie year purely by its big star-studded blockbusters. But this year, audiences got used to smaller movies, and one of the big winners was the New Zealand film industry. Rugged people like 660. The conservative people like 660. The gangsters like 660. Till the lights go out. Without the usual competition from Hollywood, local films became first calls for audiences wanting to be entertained. And coincidentally, 2020 happened to have an unusually strong collection of Kiwi comedies to do just that. Undressing me with your eyes. What? What's going on, babe? I'm hungry. He's undressing me with his eyes. Hey, you're a little skank! Low down, dirty criminals, this town, the legend of Baron Tor, dead, and guns akimbo. It's been ages since we've seen so many lively, confident comedies, nearly all featuring Tom Sainsbury in a cameo role. My pick of the crop was Baby Done. Great script, terrific performances, and the best line of the year. Do you wish you were pregnant? <laughs> no. <laughs> Congratulations. Tapeworm can cause false positive pregnancy tests. It's not a tapeworm, it's a baby. The year's biggest hit wasn't a comedy, though, but a deep dive into gang culture. Following on the heels of Once Were Warriors and the Dark Horse came Savage. We wouldn't be gangsters if we always did what we were told. Why do you wear that mask? So you can see who I am. Outside the New Zealand film industry, other communities benefited from the lockdown of big films. Suddenly, old people became cool, possibly reflecting the fact that they were the ones most likely to head to the neighbourhood art houses when they reopened. <laughs> OK, if we walk with you. It's a free country. Sign here, please. Sure want this letter. Chase me for rent. <laughs> Old people movies tended to be feel-good tales like the dog lovers romance 23 Walks, the French old people's romances La Belle Epoque and Two of Us, and from Sweden, Brit Marie was here. There were also an awful lot of comedies starring Robert De Niro. Can I help you, sir? You can help me find Maria. Oh, Maria's gone. We're completely self-checkout now. Please scan your item. Please scan your item. I just did. Please scan your item. Yeah, right. Sir! Less demeaning use of De Niro was happening away from the cinemas on streaming service Netflix. He was brilliant in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman and shared the platform with other top filmmakers this year. Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, Aaron Sorkin's Trial of the Chicago Seven, Ben Wheatley's remake of the 40s classic Rebecca. Netflix has proved a boon for ambitious filmmakers and audiences alike. Thunder, blood, blood, fire, religion. Help! 
All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. My personal favourite was Mank, film buff David Fincher's tribute to Citizen Kane, told in the style of Citizen Kane. And aside from the technical achievement, the film wasn't afraid to draw parallels with our own unsavoury Charlie Kane's in the media, the business world and politics. Back in the cinemas, a lighter touch was brought to bear on that subject in Michael Winterbottom's Greed, starring Steve Coogan. He was a bully. Not you had to shake my eyes. He was a parasite. It's classic tax avoidance. Go away! Look at that. You can't buy a view like that. Oh, wait, no, I have. Greed was a good example of the mid-range movie. Bigger than a little independent, but not quite blockbuster status. Let's call them mini-busters. Films like Greenland with Jared Butler, Liam Neeson in Honest Thief, and Road Rage epic Unhinged, starring an outsized Russell Crowe. What do you want? I need you to learn what a bad day really is. I need you to learn how to say sorry. And you're going to learn through violence and retribution. By far the biggest of the mini-busters this year was Christopher Nolan's huge, if bewildering, Tenet. It did pretty well here with its undoubted entertainment values, outweighing the fact that possibly only Nolan understood what was going on by the end. You want to crash a plane? Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. Two disappointments for me were the latest renditions of Jane Austen's Emma and Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. This despite the award-winning scriptwriters, respectively New Zealand's Eleanor Catton and Amanda Iannucci. I'm ruined. Can you cast any more lights from what has happened? Yes, I can. day before yesterday, she said... Mr. Dick, I am ruined. And I said, oh, indeed, and then we travelled here. That's not a lot of light. Copperfield was all right, I suppose, while Emma failed to reach even that modest target. Fortunately, there was better to see if he just looked hard enough. Films like a little gem called Baby Teeth. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You make a habit of befriending girls that are significantly younger than yourself. Oh, my God! Mila's obsessed with that boy. She's a smart girl. Mila, that boy has problems. So do I. What are you looking at? Piss off. Baby Teeth was a touching little Australian drama comedy tearjerker tucked away in a few obscure cinemas around the country. I had to drive for miles to find it, and I'm so glad I did. A beautiful piece of work. And since we're looking at personal favourites this year, come in, Bill and Ted face the music. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? The lovable doofuses from 90s comedies Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and subsequent Bogus Journey had no business plying their trade again 30 years on or the film to be as funny as it was. I'd also like to put a word in for the French film that breathed new life into the old To Sir With Love Dangerous Minds formula, School Life. Yanis, tu cherches au quoi, là Tu veux te faire exclure direct dès le début de l'année, c'est ça Mais je te préviens, moi, j'ai pas te lâcher. 
Là, t'es sur une mauvaise pente et c'est trop dommage parce que moi, je sais que tu vaux mieux que ça. Et si je valais pas mieux que ça There are also a pair of French celebrity biopics this year. Rosamund Pike as Marie Curie in Radioactive. Jesse Eisenberg as Marcel Marceau, action hero, believe it or not, in Resistance. But I was taken by the story of a real-life American, initially hailed as a hero, then damned as a dangerous criminal by the media. It was called Richard Jewell. Did he do it? Richard Jewell is an innocent man. He's a hero. There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. One more time, just a little louder. I report the facts. You've ruined this man's life. Incidentally, the director of Richard Jewell turned 90 this year. Clint Eastwood is currently making his 42nd movie, COVID or no COVID. He's also starring in it. Another favourite filmmaker is about to release his latest film. Sadly, like Mulan before it, Sol will miss the cinemas and go straight to streaming service Disney+. Plus. Mm, this weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh. The reason Pixar Studios are still the best in the business is they never take the easy route. Their technology is head and shoulders above the competition, so is their voice casting. The boy delivering the pizza is just as likely to get the gig as the Hollywood superstar. Good afternoon. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. I could help you cross the street. No. I could help you cross your yard? No. I could help you cross your... Ow. And then there are Pixar's ideas. Not for them pedestrian fairy tales, cute dragons or wacky vampires. Pixar often tackles the big questions of life, the universe and everything, but still makes them hugely entertaining. And top dog at Pixar is Pete Docter. He made audiences cry in the first 10 minutes of Up and then did it again in the last 10 minutes of Inside Out. School was great, all right? What was that? I thought you said we were going to act casual. Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. His new film is called Soul, and it's about what makes us us. It's told through the eyes of a middle-aged jazz musician called Joe. I was invited to talk to Pete Doctor, his co-writer-director Kemp Powers, and his executive producer Dana Murray, and discovered that 10 minutes isn't nearly long enough to cover the subject. Pete, before we get into Soul, let's go right back. I mean, where do Pixar ideas come from? Do you start with a character, do you start with a story hook, or do you start with a big theme? Yeah, everybody starts differently, and every one of my films has started differently. I mean, Up really kind of started with a grouchy old man character. Inside Out was a concept, and this this was more a concept as well, this idea of, like, you know, I have two kids who are now adults, and uh, I recognize, looking back, they were pretty much spelled out who they were from the moment we brought them home. They had personality baked in, uh, and and I thought, well, where did that come from? How did we all have this sense of who we are, um, there must be some place before we were born that kind of predetermines all that. And so kind of chasing that idea down, we came up with uh, the great before, this place where we get our personalities and, and interests and so on, and then just 
developed and it's a lot of a lot of its craft a lot of it's just trying things out and working it over and over and over so starting off with a story about a child before they're born when did you suddenly decide it was going to be a story about a middle-aged black musician okay so the truth is after inside out um, look, I've, I've loved animation since I was like eight. You know, I did flip books in the corners of my math book and stuff. And so after Inside Out, I realized, yeah, I've been doing this for like 35, 40 years since I was a kid. Am I just supposed to go on doing more? I, I guess people might call it a sort of a midlife crisis of, mm. of just, you know, looking at what, what am I going to do with the time I have left? I'm not going to live forever. And so what's the best use of my time? And, and it was really that sort of journey that I wanted to echo in the main character. We figured if he was an animator, that might be, I don't know if you've ever watched anyone animate. They're not the most exciting things. It's better to watch when they're done. Yeah. So we thought... Maybe a musician would be more interesting. And specifically jazz, I think the, th the reason we went there originally was that's a very no... Like, you don't go into jazz to get rich and famous, right? You do it because you love it. You have a passion for it. And as soon as we decided on that, we realized, well, look, if this guy's going to be a jazz musician, or as one of our consultants called it, black improvisational music, it feels only appropriate that the character should be black, should be African-American, uh, since that's jazz is of course, one of the great inventions of American culture, and it's thanks to African-American. And uh, so that's what led to that decision. And then from there, we just needed to surround ourselves with people who could really help us tell that story in an authentic way. And Kemp was brought on about the point when, like, the bones of the story were there, but it was pretty lean as a character, right, jo uh, Joe was. Kemp, I'll bring you in here because unlike many Pixar directors or people working at Pixar, your background wasn't in animation at all, was it? It was the theatre. Yeah, exactly. You, you nailed it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do at the end of the day, I've always called myself a storyteller. The medium might change, but I've always just been in pursuit of telling a good story. And whatever medium best services the story, um, that's the medium I want to I wanna tell a tale in. I've always been a long time, enormous fan of animation, particular Pixar, but not even limited to that. Um, I think one of the things that everyone at Pixar and I have in common is that we're all lifelong fans of Miyazaki. Like a lot, we have a lot of stuff in common in terms of our influences and the things that we enjoy. So it was actually a really good fit right off the bat. You have this wonderful beginning. I mean, I have no idea who's responsible for it, but you have this wonderful beginning where you play the Disney theme and you play it <laughs> by, by the worst band in the world. I mean, it's, to be fair, they're eight-year-old kids, but they're, they're playing it. And I just listened to that and my jaw dropped and I thought, we are in extremely good hands here. <laughs> That's good. Glad you noticed it, that. The funny thing is that band, actually, by the time we came up with the idea we had to bring in professional musicians. And so these are Hollywood musicians, best in the world, playing really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kemp, when Pete got in touch with you and said, would you like to be part of this journey, what was your first contribution to the character of Joe? I remember the first scene that I started working on, and that was the scene with Joe and his mother in her tailor shop when Joe has to get the, um, the suit oh, yeah? for his gig. That was, the first, that was the first thing I started writing um, oh. after I got there. But it wasn't really like one thing. It was kind of like we started on 10 things at the same time. There were character design issues. There was parts of the film that were being edited. I mean, yeah, there were, there were a million little things. And, you know, Pete and myself, we would often spend pretty sizable sessions in a room with a whiteboard, kind of still trying to crack the story. Because 
the entire story wasn't cracked when I came on board. We still hadn't quite figured out where the film was going to go. There were some much bigger questions in addition to the specific questions of Joe that were kind of like a, a priority from the first day that I got there. What happens about 10 minutes into the film is that Joe, jazz is his life, but he's stuck in a job that he doesn't like teaching at a school. Suddenly it looks like it's going pretty well for him and then something appalling happens to him and he goes into a completely different dimension. Yeah, he, he basically dies without quite dying yet, you know, <laughs> and so he's supposed to go into the great beyond, but instead manages to fishtail his way into the great before, and, of course, that's really where the story happens. And, and uh, at its core, I think, you know, the great opportunity we had was to talk about, like, well, why go back? Why, what's so great about life? You know, he meets this soul 22 who's been there so long that that's her actual number. You know, most souls are like 108 billion, 333 million, <laughs> 700. Her number is 22. Uh, and she just doesn't see any point. What's so great about life? It looks like a lot of disappointment and suffering. And it was a, a real fun project to work on, a lot of difficult stuff to figure out. Unbelievably difficult. And Dana, this is where I bring you in because, first of all, I see that you were the lighting manager in Ratatouille. I looked you up. The lighting in Ratatouille is the greatest lighting in any animation ever. I have no idea what you contributed to it, but it, somewhere your team pulled a blinder on that one. Ratatouille. That was an incredible movie to work on. Sharon Callahan was the lighting DP and she's phenomenal. The reason I'm bringing you in here, though, Dana, is the fact that this is where the other half of Pixar comes in. So while you've got Pete and Kemp wrestling with the third act and trying to make the thing all sort of work, suddenly the technology side of Pixar comes in. How does it work? Well, you know, I'm, I'm in there from the very beginning, you know, creatively partnering with the small team that we have in the beginning. And um, at that point, we're just building a team. A lot of my job was making sure the film was going to be culturally authentic. So building up a culture trust and consultants, you know, managing chaos on a day-to-day -day basis. At, at one point, I think our crew was up to 350 people. So there's a lot going on at all times. I'm trying to protect the creative process, basically, is my job. So I'm all over the place, I guess. <laughs> we can't go without mentioning Rachel House, though, New Zealand. Oh, I, yeah. was, I was going to get to that. I mean, your casting right. is astonishing. You've got Jamie Foxx, which is kind of understandable, but Tina Fey is a bratty teenage soul. Graham Norton as a hippie juggler and Rachel House as a one-dimensional <laughs> villain. Literally, she's just one line. Yeah. <laughs> How did Rachel come uh, on board? That's amazing for us. She has more lines of dialogue than one, but you're right. As a character, she looks like just a, an outline. And uh, that was, again, Kemp brought in uh, the concept of using her. And she's brilliant. She, her job is to pursue our guy and try to get him back because the numbers are off, right? She's the universe's accountant. <laughs> So. She's absolutely brilliant. But I, the other yeah. thing that I have to say that you guys pulled off amazingly was musicians' fingers. I have never seen animated rendition of musicianship as as well as it's done in this film here, I don't think. Oh, thanks. We, we set up like 800 different cameras everywhere to watch every angle possible so the animators could really study proper form, proper posture, which notes we're hitting. We also had, they had a really cool system where they hooked up, you know, like MIDI, that, uh, the system that allows you to capture a performance on a keyboard. And that was wired basically into the animation software so that the notes he's playing are the actual notes that John Batiste played on the piano. 
I was talking with Pixar's Pete Doctor about his latest film, Soul, featuring, as he says, Rachel House as a heavenly accountant, shortly available on Disney+. And you also heard co-director Kemp Powers and producer Dana Murray. Well, that brings this show and, indeed, this series to a close. I'm Simon Morris. I wish you all a wonderful Christmas and a far better year than this one. And I hope you'll join me at the movies this time next year. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.